4: Welcome back to Behind the Bastards, legally the only podcast on the internet. So I, I hope it, it, you all have no other choices, so I, I'm sure we've got a, we've got a, a big audience today of the entire world listening in um, as I have used my congressional connections to ban all other podcasts. Any other podcasts you're listening to are, are illegal podcasts now, which actually makes mine less cool. This is probably a bad call. In any case... Uh, this is a show about bad people, the very worst people in all of history, and my guest today is Shireen bam Woo, it's
1: me! I'm back! I'm back.
4: That's in good, Shireen. my own home. How do you feel about me gaslighting my audience about the fact that there are no other podcasts in order to keep them... Uh, keep them locked into to my content stream.
1: I'm I actually f- found it very entertaining and ingenious in a way good. that I wasn't expecting. I think making them believe this is the only source. You know, like you're yeah. you're making you're making yourself essential to them. You're you're their bloodline. Yeah.
4: yeah, people talk a lot about like the downsides of gaslighting, but nobody talks about how good it can be for making money with a podcast.
1: I mean, the reality. The inverse, the inverse is, like, the reality is there's so much to be consumed, but you just mm-hmm. constantly telling them there isn't, yep. I think that's pretty smart. I will it say, is. though, the word ingenious doesn't make re- that much sense to me. This is a side note, completely just a s- semantic I, uh, yeah. I, a thing I just realized is that genius is smart, but then ingenious should mean not smart just because of the way that prefix is usually used. But in this case, it means even more smart, yeah. which is just my own... This is how my brain works now. I don't know how to have conversations.
4: It's very, I, I'm frustrated by ingenious and I'm frustrated by inflammable. And I know there's like a small cadre of, um, of grammar uh, obsessives who have, will explain how it completely makes sense that both of those words mm-hmm. mean what they mean. Um, I, I don't care. Um, I disagree yeah. with grammar. Regular. I, I regularly I regular disagree with grammar often.
1: <laughs> Me too, Robert. <laughs> Me too.
4: <laughs> um so Shireen, you are the co-host of the Ethnically Ambiguous Podcast and uh, my friend and co-worker and um you know
2: and a really talented uh filmmaker. Don't ever and a talented that.
4: filmmaker, um, award winning filmmaker. And there's really oh, that's not true. No other way to to just launch into this. <laughs> episode than by saying how do you um how do you feel about orgasms oh,
1: you're welcome for booking you on this this, episode. Is,
4: this
1: is um now I know why Sophie told me I was coming in blind <laughs> yeah and now I, I was thinking about what I was getting myself into before I turned on my microphone before I agreed to jump on this call this was not anywhere in the realm of my uh, okay. Well, I think orgasms are great. Um, Good. yeah, I wouldn't know though, personally, if we really want to get intimate here right off the head. Has it been even three minutes in this podcast? I don't know. I've never what? had one. So About four.
4: Wow. Okay. Well, um, yeah, that actually is kind of on topic, uh, Shireen. Cause, um, yeah, that's Was that... I selected for this on
1: purpose. Or is this, this is, this can't be a coincidence. No, I just, I,
4: yeah, I thought you'd be a, uh, uh, we talk about grifters together and our subject today is a grifter. So I thought you'd enjoy talking about him. Um, And I decided to open things with that incredibly inflammatory question um, because, because it's my podcast and I'm a monster.
1: Wait, is the question relevant? Yes,
4: it's extremely relevant. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jesus. yeah. We're we're talking about a guy who goes by the nickname Dr. Orgasm. Um Oh cute. cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's probably not uh, a surprise to anyone listening, uh, or to any of us that, that men and women have, have very different orgasm experiences. Uh, and this is rooted heavily in evolutionary biology. Um, and one of the things that illustrates this difference is the incredible density of studies and articles about studies, um, all trying to unravel what's often described as like the mystery of the, uh, of the vaginal orgasm. Um, it's seen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, I mean, this is really funny to be okay. I need to like be candid here. Sure. During this whole quarantine thing, like, like the, the, me not having, me not experiencing this feeling that everyone else seems to like relish in has been this like thorn in my side for like most of my adult life. And I think this, this whole entire quarantine time has, I've been doing like a lot of research on this to be honest about like why some women yeah. have, more trouble than others like what it means to actually let go and like experience and receive pleasure like i have a lot of difficulty receiving good things including like just like even just like feeling nice and i've been this is this is actually hilarious that we're talking about this because i've been like genuinely like studying like yeah like the ways to make myself feel okay enough to experience this thing that has always been this like this inside joke that everyone else understood and i and i also think women talking about this pressure they don't talk about it enough like i don't think the no. society at large talks about women trying to overcome this pressure if they're not like already in the know of how to utilize or, or, or like receive pleasure and so Anyways, I feel like I've done my homework even without meaning to. (laughs) Uh,
4: I I had I did not uh, know this about you going into the episode, Um, but that's actually going to be helpful in, in terms of trying to like parse this out because this is a more confusing episode it's not impossible this is a medical grifter um who claims to be able to c- cure women's who have an, who have trouble or an inability to have orgasms and for a number of reasons i'm fairly certain he's a grifter um but you can find some people some women who who say that he helped them and it's a very complicated story and it's more complicated due to the fact that like we as i'm sure like your research has suggested we don't really have a great we don't really have a great scientific lockdown on the vaginal orgasm right like it's 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 um there's a lot that's kind of up in the air about it from a research standpoint yeah
1: i mean everyone's just so different i think that's yeah. what it boils down to there's no like there's no just mm-hmm. like I don't know to put to be crude. There's no like pump that you just like yeah. go at until something comes out of. It's not like I don't know. Um, yeah, men
4: literally have a button that you can press. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. Um,
4: it's it's not yeah. for men uh, or it's not for you know people with people with uh w- w- what's the most appropriate term to use wing dang doodles. Um, the wing yes, dang exactly. doodle orgasm is is a pretty simple thing, right? Um,
1: yeah, it's it's straightforward, it's self-explanatory. But I think like. Uh, I don't want to get sorry. I keep taking over this conversation. No, I, no, no. I, I mean,
4: you're the that. That's why you're here. Please take it. Take I, it so, over. So, be- like, so
1: when you're a boy, when you're like a, a prepubescent boy, like it's it's understood that you're going to be going through changes, that you're going to be going through puberty, and that means like exploring your body. Like a wet dream for a guy is a pretty standard point of yep. puberty. For, yeah. For girls, you're never uh, encouraged or even told to explore yourself and that makes you feel even not even on purpose but it makes you feel a lot of shame about your body and i was raised pretty sheltered and i didn't i i remember really disliking my I, i i was disgusted by my my genitals like i didn't understand them i didn't under like i there was a good portion of time before i like embraced my sexuality And I'm still like overcoming those things now because of how you're raised as a girl just to like shut it down and to protect yourself and to not be a sexual being because that invites uh, unwanted attention. And so I think being raised like that and never like being encouraged to explore yourself, it leads to adult women needing to figure it out even after they've already had sex for the first time or the second time or the 30th time or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah. sorry. No, no, I'm no, no, passionate. please. Yeah, and it, it's it's
4: one of the other things that it does is because there's so little conversation about this and especially so little conversation that's like had in a a, a kind of, I don't know, um, structured way. Like our, our, our educational system doesn't build this in and most parents feel too awkward to really talk about it. And so because... A, a, a lot of women don't ever ha- get to have these conversations and grow up like with this thing of like i i i don't know how to experience this i don't know how to like get like like th- this this kind of mystery about their own bodies whenever yeah. there is a black hole of knowledge like that it provides an incredible opportunity to grifters um it's the same reason why when you have a huge virus hit right like all these people start cropping up and and are able to make claims like oh we know how to, I know how to cure this I know how to treat this it's because like this weird mysterious thing that people don't understand ha- is 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 a problem and there's kind of a vacuum of official information and there's a lot of there's actually like a pretty decent sized industry of grifters who just target women who are aren't able to orgasm or or don't orgasm as often as they want to like that's a big like even when I was in India there were huge like tantric sex uh institutes and like if you spent enough time in the towns where they were located you would start hearing stories about the men who ran them and they were like almost I'm not going to say tantric sex is bad but all of these all of these guys were basically cult leaders right like like it's this yeah. Um it's just this this thing that happens. Um and uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so, so unfortunate
1: and it makes me so enraged because I yeah. understand that like like I, like th- th- this desperation to just feel something that you're you're led to believe is like a very human primal thing and you feel you feel almost broken that you can't experience it like coming from my experience like I Maybe I was just, maybe it was, it's like too late or like maybe I wasn't raised correctly or maybe I never, it's, it's my, why can't my body do this? And so you become an adult and you become so desperate to figure out how to do these things. I can, I can see someone getting misled just because desperation will lead you to do that. And, and it's, it's this really um, intimate and brutal thing to experience with yourself to, to have that being taken advantage of is so criminal in my opinion because it's just oh, I'm just mad <laughs> you yeah, make me mad yeah. you'll get mad you'll get <laughs> every madder. time on the show
4: so b- yeah. before we get into this specific orgasm grifter I do want to talk I wanted to go over a, a little bit of like orgasm research Um, so yeah. just to kind of talk about like what's out there right now which will help explain some things that are going to come into the story later on so again there's not a lot that's like ironed out known for sure about the vaginal orgasm some researchers suggest that that they play a psychological role in reproduction obviously like there's no question about the role of the male orgasm in reproduction but there is a question for um yeah the vaginal orgasm and uh, this like uh, so the, the, the researchers who suggest a psychological rule say that basically because these orgasms feel good it makes people with vaginas want to have more sex which leads to more babies and this is like pretty logical right you can at least you can see a through mm-hmm. line there um, yeah so uh, one thing that these folks will point out is that uh, solitary animals such as cats have what's called male induced ovulation uh, and that's where an egg is only released uh, dur- from the ovary during sex um, and there is evidence that cats orgasm, in case you were curious. Uh, we know they release prolactin, which is a hormone that human ladies get flooded with uh, when they orgasm and when they ovulate. Uh, one 2016 study I found suggested that the hormone uh, release with the orgasm is probably an evolutionary holdover from when our ancestors moved from induced ovulation like cats to the spontaneous ovulation that, that we currently enjoy. Um, enjoy might be the wrong word there, but like, yeah, so that's that's one theory. Um, and this study suggested that once uh, ovulation once like in our evolutionary timeline, when evo- uh, ovulation stopped depending on like uh, a, a man or, you know, a penis getting in there. Uh, The clitoris moved from inside the vaginal canal to its current position. Um, And one piece of good news from all of this is that the clitoris, evolutionarily speaking, is not going to go away anytime soon. Um, The penis evolves Mm -hmm. from the same part of the embryo, so as long as uh, there are wing-dang doodles, uh, there will be uh, clitoris. So that's good news. If anyone was worried about losing those in a couple thousand years, science says it'll be fine. Yeah, Woo! Yeah, I was concerned. It also means that men are going to keep their nipples... Yeah. Oh,
1: Thank God.
4: Yeah, I was worried Men's about that. nipples are useless. Yeah, well, no, they are not. They absolutely are oh, not. come
1: on. A lot of uses oh, for male
4: on. nipples. Um, you can hang stuff off them. That's mostly okay. it. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I. I, I I think that's that's good background to get because the medical grifter we're talking about today um, is a doctor who claims to be able to vastly increase the likelihood and quality of women's orgasms, and he does this by injecting their own blood back into their labia. Um, what the fuck. Yeah, this is probably nonsense, although it is not definitively nonsense, because the the exact kind of treatment this guy is using is still something that's that's being studied. Um, But this is a case where there it's possible there is some validity to what he's doing medically. But the doctor himself is absolutely a piece of shit and a grifter. Um, And the fact that he has a huge population. Tell
1: me more. hmm?
4: Yeah, yeah. Tell me
1: more. I'm intrigued.
4: Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. So the fact that this doctor has a sizable population of interested customers is due in large part to the fact that as we kind of led this episode talking about vaginal and clitoral orgasm are actually pretty rare. Uh, People with penises report orgasms about 95% of the time in heterosexual encounters, uh, while people with vaginas report orgasms only about 50% of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. The reasons for this are hotly debated, but they actually kind of seem pretty obvious to me based on just the data. So, for one thing, age, education, and income all increase the likelihood of orgasm um, for people with vaginas. Huh. Yeah, and this suggests that knowledge, and particularly like kind of knowledge of oneself and one's biology, increases your odds as a, a vagina haver of having an orgasm. Forty nine percent. Yeah. That makes sense. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, only about 49% of people with vaginas orgasm from casual sex, while 70% orgasm in committed relationships. And to me, this suggests the same thing, which is that orgasms are at least somewhat a project of knowledge, and having a partner who knows your bits increases your chance of having an orgasm.
1: And and I will say, uh, I didn't like say the word masturbation earlier when I was t- talking about like exploring your body or anything, but I do think the fact that we don't talk about women masturbating and like we're not really like there. I mean like now they're like we're being more progressive. There's a certain section of like youth that's like really all about talking about it. But when I was growing up, uh, I didn't masturbate. Like I didn't know how. I didn't know. I still low key don't really know how. So because it's just I'm not. I'm still trying to understand, how, like like, how to receive pleasure. I'm so bad at receiving anything, let alone, like, a compliment, or, like, like, how am I supposed to receive a fucking orgasm for myself? Um, but I think our obsession with only talking about male pleasure and male masturbation leads women to never understand, like, they don't have the knowledge about how to to feel good sexually because they're not encouraged to it. And there's just so much shame around it. Um, and even, like, I remember watching porn when I was like a teenager purely as like studying it. Yeah. Like, I just wanted to understand what it like, what people were up to. Like, what was this thing I was missing? And every time they would show like a woman masturbating, it was this like just crude, like, just like, it was just so, it, it wasn't good enough. Like, it, it didn't, I, I, it didn't work. <laughs> you know what I, I don't know if that makes sense. It's just, it yeah. made the scene too easy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, uh, sorry. I keep getting distracted. I'm just no, no, just, no. Um, I mean, bringing, up a, shit, <laughs> bringing yeah. up a lot of shit, Robert. It's bringing up a lot of shit.
4: Yeah. it. I mean, and it, you're not you're you're very far from alone in that because, like, you know, the data suggests, like, this is a hugely common problem. Um, just in general, people who have vaginas not orgasming as often as they would prefer um, is is very common. And there are actually quite a lot of women who have what's called female orgasmic disorder. Um, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It's an inability um, to orgasm. Uh, and it is also uh, incredibly treatable. Sex therapy is successful sixty-five to eighty-five percent of the time. Um, well that's good yeah, to know. yeah, yeah. That is a thing that exists. There's treatment options, and the data suggests that they are very they they're, they are very often effective. Um, but those numbers still leave a lot of unsatisfied people with vaginas out there uh, and unluckily mm-hmm. for them Dr. Charles Runnels is around to take their money. Uh, Charles Runnels is the inventor of the O-Shot a controversial therapy meant to correct a lack of vaginal orgasms Dr. Runnels has been branded Dr. Orgasm by some and he's a big old piece of shit now if you've not heard about his O-Shot you may have heard about his other groundbreaking medical treatments uh, the vampire facial this is the guy who did the vampire facial Oh, yeah Oh wow! Yeah, wow. It's this guy. Same dude. Yeah, it's the same guy. Uh, The vampire breastless. Honestly, uh, (laughs) anything.
1: But like coming from a guy, I'm already wary of anyone that's like I can give this. I can give women more orgasms. Like, wouldn't a woman know the most intimately how to do that? Like, I'm already like I'm intrigued only because like I'm so fascinated by the subject. Yeah, but I think. Just by default, that, that information, that claim coming from a guy is like already kind of like loses credibility for me because he'll never understand what a vagina is capable of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. thousand <laughs> percent.
4: Yeah, you won't you won't change your opinion on that over the course of this episode. Oh, um can't wait! So, in addition to the vampire facial and the vampire breast lift, uh, Doctor Runnels is the inventor of the Priapus shot, which is a needle that you shoot into your dick to make your dick orgasm better. Um, so he's uh. he's the, he has picked he's picked a path for himself, um, and his uh-huh. path is. His path is sucking blood. out people's blood and then shooting it back into pieces of them to, to gain kind of unclear medical benefits. Like, that's this guy's thing? Um, Jesus. And the specific medical treatment that he is involved in and, and that all, really um, all of his 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 treatments are... One second. Yeah. The specific med- medical treatment that he focuses on, that kind of all of these different things are a type of, is called platelet-rich plasma uh, plasma injection. Or PRP injections or yeah, PRP therapy. I've
1: heard all about
4: that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a.
1: And mostly when it comes to like skin
4: rejuvenation and yes. like increasing cell
1: turnover and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And this, it's not. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's like. I think there's still, as far as I know, like the yeah, jury's still out as far as like very if it's much. actually bullshit or not. Yeah. We'll talk but, about that um, some. Yeah.
4: It, it's certainly grown more popular over the years. Um, and, and for folks who don't yeah. know, you're familiar with, I'm mean, going to guess a lot of people have, have are somewhat familiar with this. But the basic idea is that a patient's blood is drawn out and then put through a centrifuge. And the centrifuge concentrates all of the platelets, which are the blood cells that are largely responsible for the fact that your blood has healing functions. Um, those platelets mm-hmm. are then sucked back up and then injected into damaged or diseased body tissue in order to stimulate healing. Um, and obviously, it makes sense that people would try this as a therapy, right? Like the the there's logic to like oh yeah I can see how if you concentrate like the healy parts of the blood and then shoot it into a wounded yeah maybe that'll work it's it Mm -hmm. it certainly falls under the the list of medical treatments as like yeah it was worth a shot people should have. Giving it a yeah, yeah,
1: why not? We'll give it a go, yeah. But it got really popular just with like celebrities and stuff, yeah. But, like, not like wounded or, or damaged skin, it was just like to increase or to, it yeah. was like marketed as like a a youthful, like fountain of youth yeah. thing,
4: exactly. Yeah. And, and it started the very first PRP therapies were for in sports medicine, um, and largely kind of as a way for professional athletes and the like to more rapidly heal from rotator cuff injuries and sort of similar. You know, wounds—the kind of stuff that, like, you know, a lot of times, you like, you pull an ankle, you fuck your rotator cuff up, you fuck up a knee, and like, it kind of stays a little bit fucked up forever. And so, this was kind of—they were trying to figure out how to deal with that, right? Like, maybe we can accelerate the body's healing so we can actually get this shit fixed. Yeah. Yeah. And there are there are some professional athletes and stuff who swear by this treatment. Uh, The actual scientific data on how well it works is very muddled. I found a systematic review in the Cochrane Library that analyzed 19 studies on PRP therapy. And when they did a bias analysis, only three of these studies were judged to be at low risk of bias because obviously a lot of people with financial interest in PRP therapy working fund studies into whether or not PRP therapy works. Um, But even when they kind of excluded the biased studies, the existing studies didn't show evidence of any significant effect from PRP therapy. There is some evidence that it might help reduce pain, but that's really about all we can say conclusively. There's a decent amount of evidence that it can help Reduce pain when you're healing from an injury. Um, in certain circumstances, there's really not nothing hard to support the the claims that it accelerates healing. Um, mm-hmm. Which doesn't mean that it doesn't, because this is still pretty new. But like it, the the, the jury's definitely still out. Uh, and of course, there's there is no clinical. I want to get this right out of the way. There is zero clinical evidence that it helps with orgasms. <laughs> like like not not God, a drop. That is
1: just yeah. a wild yeah. Progression of like, yeah, like where else can I put blood?
4: <laughs> yeah, like where oh, else can people I are suck-
1: Someone's blood, yeah, oh, Jesus,
4: man, yeah. And it, but one of the things he's kind of taking advantage of is that surprisingly enough, like labial tissue, you can actually do this kind of stuff and it doesn't really hurt. Um, because the the oh. place that he injects it into, there's actually not a lot of like you don't have a ton of of uh, you don't like all of that area isn't super sensitive. Like there's actually parts that aren't because like right. it's meant to tear apart during childbirth and stuff. Um,
0: Yikes.
1: I, the way you worded that was very graceful. Yeah, that's Thank not you for nice. That um, yeah, sorry. Um, no, but but uh, it's I will like say, this is bodies. Look, this
4: Is where it, we all came from. Like we all. I could yeah.
1: <laughs> I could see how someone can rationalize this because when you are when you're orgasming when you're supposed to receive pleasure like all the blood is supposed to rush there so that i could kind of rationalize this 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 concept of like well if you're having trouble then i'll just put blood where you're supposed to have blood and then and then everything is solved but it's not that simple yeah
4: like all of the best bullshit medicine, it there's a level to which it makes kind of intuitive sense. Where you're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. this I can. Uh, if you explain the idea of the treatment to someone, uh, just a random person on the street, I think most people would be like, oh okay, yeah, I can see how that might work. Like it's not inherently yeah. nonsense, you know. The data suggests mm-hmm, that it yeah. is, but it's the the idea itself. It does kind of fall under the yeah, probably it was worth trying, right? You know, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. You know what won't inject your own blood back into your genitalia? The products and (laughs) services that support this podcast have never done that unless we are running an ad for for the O-Shot, in which case, uh, please don't get that until you finish listening to the podcast. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. We're back. Uh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh we're back what a journey so but journey. speaking of journeys before I start talking about how the Oshot came to be I want to talk a little bit about the clinical background of its inventor uh, one dr Charles Runnels uh, aka dr orgasm now I became aware of dear Charles through the writing of one dr Jin Gunter uh, an OBGYN and an author of a book called the vagina Bible uh, she is professionally angry at scammers who push nonsense medicine on the vaginas of the world and she is not a fan of Dr. Runnels.
1: Uh I love her already. Yeah. <laughs> her already.
4: Yeah, she's she she seems to know what she's talking about. Um I she certainly has the the professional qualifications to to, to be talking about this subject, absolutely.
1: I just love an angry woman, you know. I just love an angry woman. That's all
4: it is. Yeah, she's really angry. And I, I, (laughs) low-key, not even low-key, because, like, a third of my content is based on it. One of my very favorite genres of thing on the internet is, like, furious doctors writing about, like, medical scammers. I just, I love that shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So as Dr. Jen Gunter points out, um, Dr. Runnels, the the doctor orgasm, is an internal medicine doctor. And internal medicine doctors, uh, their training does not focus very much on the vagina. During his medical school, Charles Reynolds likely spent a pretty minimal amount of time studying gynecology. Uh, He may have done a few months of residency at a gynecological clinic, but that would have been the most. So if this orgasm doctor doesn't have a background in gynecology, what's his background in? Well... On his own website, Dr. Runnell says that his first love was medical research, and he lists his chief medical hero as Dr. Werner Forsman. In 1929, Forsman performed the very first heart catheterization on his own heart. Uh, and he this Do, Werner Forsman is a legitimate medical badass. Runnel's writes that this guy, quote, tied the nurse down and cathed his own heart, then walked up three flights of stairs in order to photograph it. And this is largely accurate, although the truth is that the nurse agreed to let Dr. Forceman tie her up because he needed clean instruments and she had access to them and he might die doing this and he didn't want her to get in trouble. So it was kind of like they were kind of doing this so that if he died doing this, she wouldn't get blamed for it. Um, that's why he tied wow. her up. But Yeah, it's a cool story. It's actually like a really awesome medical story. It's like story. out of
1: the neck or something.
4: yeah. Forstman had this theory about how you could half- catheterize a heart and he had been denied atten- uh, permission to attempt it because it was seen as too dangerous. So he decided he had to work it out, do it on himself and he worked out a deal with the nurse so that they could do this and not endanger her life and career. Um, why Dr. Runnels idolizes Dr. Forsman will become clear presently. For right now, it's important for people to know that Forstman spent a lot of his life reviled by the medical community for his irresponsible self-experimentation. He was only recognized as a genius after World War II when he finally received the Nobel Prize. Dr. Forsman spent most of his life as a humble grunt-level medical practitioner. He was a, a German military doctor in World War II, so he worked with, like, the Nazi army, but he was, like, treating wounded people. Um, which is, I guess, the least objectionable job you could have uh, in Nazi Germany. Um, and then he was like a, a town doctor, like he was like a small town, like family physician for years and years and years. Um, and after he won the Nobel Prize, he was actually offered a fancy job running a German cardiovascular institute. Uh, and he turned this down because he felt like he didn't know enough to do the job well. Like he he was like I he was a very humble man, in other words. Um, so Dr. Runnels idolizes this man and there's a lot to idolize in Dr. Forsman, Nazi service aside, just like it's, it's, he, it's a cool medical story. Um, And when Runnels first got his MD, his desire was to be a medical researcher. Now, I don't have a tremendous amount of detail about Dr. Runnels's early life, and most of what we do have comes from an article in The Guardian that, well, not bad, is largely just repeating what Runnels says about his own early life. Uh, He says that as a teenager, he endured horrific cystic acne. Um, This is not what most of us was described as bad acne. I'm sure we all have a bad acne story. He was one of those people whose whole face was just this oozing, painful mass of sores, um, he claims oh, it God. was, yeah, and I, I there was at least one kid at my school who had this kind of acne, and it, di- it did seem like a nightmare. Um,
1: no, it's brutal. It's yeah.
4: Sweet. Runnels claims that his acne was so bad that he forgot what his own nose looked like. Um, wow. And, yeah, there's not many worse ailments you could have as a teenager. This was obviously disastrous for young Charles's personal life. Uh, he recalls praying to God, if you could make me attractive, I will find something good to do with it. Um, And luckily for him, a miracle cure soon did arrive. Dermatologists treated his skin with X-rays, which cured the cystic acne but left him with a lifetime of melanomas, which have required constant treatment in order to stop from turning cancerous. As an adult, Dr. Runnels now claims that his childhood battle with cystic acne gave him enormous compassion for people suffering from incurable conditions, the pain of what I have called the hidden population. Uh, Now, if this story is true, it's certainly easy to see how it could have sparked his youthful desire to embark on a career as a medical researcher. And that's exactly what he did. But unfortunately, he was not good at it. In 2004, he got approval to conduct a study on the efficacy of a new smallpox vaccine formulation. He got approval to do this, but he did not get approval to conduct the study on homeless people. However, it... Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. we're getting right into... Oh, my God. Oh, my God, what
1: a piece Mm -hmm. of trash. Yeah.
4: Yeah, he's not great. Like,
1: okay, I could have sympathy. I I was just thinking, like, yeah, yeah, I I have a... a, I have a, a... um, the emotional depth to to understand empathy and to, and to sympathize with someone that is that, that has really bad acne and, and is is going through a hard time, uh, self confidence or whatever that does not give you a fucking green light to oh my God, oh, what a fucking piece of shit yeah like, what? yeah he's a real oh, piece of shit God.
4: this study is is God. bad like oh boy howdy um so he uh basically it's expensive to recruit subjects for a vaccine study uh and it's hard um but tricking hobos into letting you test drugs on their bodies is easy um and that's kind of just what he did uh and he did he did get approval to conduct the study on people from a homeless shelter after he had already started testing them um yeah so he filled for
1: forgiveness not for permission
4: yeah And there's a lot of other shadiness. So he filled his sample group with men and women from a local New Orleans homeless shelter, I think 22 of them. Uh, And as the FDA later wrote, quote, you enrolled 21 indigent persons from a multi-service center for the homeless into either study... uh, only after enrolling eight of these subjects you received approval from the Institutional Re- Review Board, IRB, to enroll vulnerable subjects as described below. Regardless of the IRB's decision to approve the enrollment of vulnerable populations, persons utilizing the Multi-Service Center for the Homeless were n- unsuitable for consideration for these studies for many reasons, including but not limited to the following. These individuals were unsuitable because they were economically and or educationally disadvantaged. Some subjects could not understand or follow the protocol requirements. For example, subjects in at least a of subjects did not understand how to measure his her temperature in order to complete his her daily diary as they reported body temperatures ranging from ranging from 84 degrees Fahrenheit to 97 so one reason why this was bad is because like these people had to keep data on themselves in order for the study to make be of any value and they just weren't competent to they didn't have the kind of education to right. do that Um, the FDA's complaint continues. One requirement for doctors doing these sorts of studies is that they complete a vaccine risk assessment questionnaire at least six times during the study. The questionnaire asks about the health and medication use of people the study subject lives with. This is obviously a project for homeless folks who live in a center because their household contacts include every person, including staff and volunteers at that center. Um, so... This is a huge problem because, again, if you're testing medicine on people to see if it works, you have to know what other medications they're taking. You want to limit and control for that. And you have no fucking idea what people at a homeless center, many of whom are addicted to drugs themselves, are actually taking. And you don't know what they have yeah. the option to take. You, you just can't. It's a bad group to use for a study like this. Um, like there's the moral problem of of these of going of conducting a study on these folks because a lot of them have mental illnesses that mean that they can't really provide informed consent. Um, and then there's also the fact that like you can't get good data out of these people because like you can't control for yeah. any of the things you need to in a study. There's a whole lot of reasons this was the worst way there's to no, conduct a no, study. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, there's there's no upside. Yeah,
4: lose lose. The upside is that it's cheap and it it's easy if you don't care about actually performing a good study um
1: but that, that that like kind of negates his entire like ethos that yeah. he's like self-proclaimed right like it just
4: yeah I don't know, whatever yeah it sure does so there were a lot more problems too like we're not even done with this shit Dr. Runnels got his his institutional research board to approve him uh, to have an impartial witness uh, observe the informed consent discussion that he got while recruiting these homeless people to act as guinea pigs so that was how he like got he got permission after the study started to use homeless people as test subjects and the way he did this was by promising to have an impartial witness who could make sure that these people were providing informed consent Um, and obviously the purpose of this was to avoid a ghoulish situation where mentally ill or drug-addled individuals were tested with experimental medications in exchange for money without understanding that they'd agreed to be testi- tested with experimental medications in exchange for money. That would be a horrible thing. Um, so thank God he had an impartial witness, right? Wow. Thank God. Oh, wow. You're glad he had an impartial That's witness, right?
1: fucking motherfucker. But he had acne. He had really bad acne, though, so he's allowed to do this. Oh, my God, I hate him. I hate him.
4: You want to hear who his impartial witness was?
1: <laughs>
4: yeah. Another homeless person that he was testing drugs on.
1: <laughs> oh my God.
4: He's such a piece of shit. Like, this okay, is Okay, but this awful. is like pure yeah.
1: evidence. This is pure evidence of him repeatedly taking advantage of those who are vulnerable. Like, whether yep. it's women that can't orgasm or homeless mm-hmm. people that like have no other choice. Yep. You're still taking advantage of people that are vulnerable and like that's like 101 grifter 101 come
4: on yeah and it gets worse like this is honestly one of the worst scientific studies i've ever heard of anyone conducting so obviously people who are conducting proper medical studies are supposed to do a lot of research to understand the pre-existing conditions of members of the study so you like you look at Mm -hmm. how their body's doing before you start putting meds on them this is to avoid endangering people and to ensure that like the folks conducting the study learn as much as possible about you know how certain medications affect people with different health conditions uh so obviously are all of dr reynolds's patients underwent ekgs and blood and urine samples but charles just didn't tell his irb about any of the adverse health conditions that he revealed in this process um so a bunch of people were found with heart problems he just didn't say anything about it uh and in fact one of his subjects after being medicated was hospitalized for chest pain and he also didn't tell the irb about that um for more than two weeks um so that's all really bad um it's it's horrible like this is one of the worst like if you're if you're a science person read it read the the fda's complaint about this study because it's shocking how bad it is the gist of how is he still allowed to practice
1: medicine after this like that's what i'm well that's so what we're building for <laughs> oh my god
4: he was wow. we'll, uh, yeah so um yeah, the gist of all this is that Dr. Reynolds used homeless folks as test subjects and took the actions to obscure the fact that many of them didn't understand what was being done to them. He covered up their illnesses, all of this horrible stuff. In 2008, the FDA investigated him for this and initiated disqualification proceedings against him, and he was disqualified from working as a clinical investigator in 2009. Uh, as a result of this investigation. Um, Dr. Jen Gunter explains what that means. Quote, getting disqualified by the FDA means a clinical investigator has repeatedly or deliberately failed to comply with applicable regulatory requirements, or the clinical investigator has repeatedly or deliberately submitted false information to the sponsor or, if applicable, to the FDA in any required report. A disqualified clinical investigator is not eligible to conduct any clinical investigation that supports an application for a research or for marketing permit for Regulated by the FDA, so he gets banned from being a medical researcher, basically because he's Good so ribbons. wildly irresponsible at it. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, obviously because he's a subject of this show.
1: But we know what happens. We know what happens. He gets famous for the vampire facial. Like
4: he sure does. He didn't
1: have a cu- he he, did, he didn't have a comeuppance. No, you know what I mean.
4: This is not the comeuppance oh, God, this show. Is, <laughs> oh, this is enraging. <laughs> This is not the comeuppance show, although if we were to really dig into it, we could come up with a good, since this is an orgasm-based episode, a good cum joke based on the word comeuppance, but I'm going to leave that to the listener to put together in your own head.
1: You know what? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think of that when I said it out loud, but it's
4: pretty good. It's there, you know, take it it for yourself, make the joke your own, you know? Yeah, this is a DIY, the comedy in this podcast is very often DIY.
1: It's the only Uh, podcast out there, so take what you can get.
4: Yeah, we're like the Ikea of jokes about bad orgasm doctors. Um, Not a lot of money in being that. I don't know why we took this path anyway uh yeah obviously being the subject of this podcast dr Runnels did not learn a goddamn thing from his failures or from his punishment after he gets banned from conducting medical research because of his how horrifically irresponsible um he gets fined in 2000 also in 2009 five thousand dollars by the state board of medical examiners of alabama for the misuse of hormone replacement therapy after he massively overdosed two women with testosterone um wow yeah yeah and he defends his actions by saying that the hormone doses uh helped his patients um just as he defends his actions with the vaccine trial by saying that he didn't know the subjects were homeless um what come on yeah he's he's just a liar um now yeah dr Runnels again when he gets talked about his misuse of hormone replacement therapy because he overdosed women with testosterone. Um he he will say that like it helped his patients and I wanted to know like what he meant by that and eventually I was able to find a video posted to his website which is called the Cellular Medicine Association uh, titled Who is Charles Runnels? Um, the association is run by him and he made this whole video. He doesn't acknowledge that he was fined for doing this but he does talk about how he started doing testosterone therapy for women um, and he again doesn't acknowledge that he hurt people doing this but he does say that uh, it gave them such high libidos that their husbands couldn't keep up uh, and so he started injecting their husbands with testosterone. Um, And I can't tell you if that happened or not um, but I can tell you that doesn't sound like good medicine. (laughs) I'm not a doctor but um, that seems like a bad medical call. Uh, So yeah, Runnell says that in 2010 he started hearing about PRP therapy, which was then, again, mostly the province of, like, sports medicine, although gynecologists had started using the technique to inject platelets around the urethra of women who experienced urinary incontinence, and it does seem to help with that. Um, there's some, some – I don't know if there's hard studies, but I know a lot of people say it helps with that, and I haven't seen any reason to believe it doesn't. Um, but I'm going to let Dr. Runnels himself explain what happened next. This is this is Dr. Charles Runnels explaining what happens after he realized that a uh, uh, PRP therapy um, was 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 being used on people's faces.
0: Back in 2010, someone brought to me a centrifuge that had been used by the orthopedic surgeons to prepare platelet-rich plasma for the knees, and by the dentist and wound care, wound healing. Excuse me. So, and the, the person bringing the, the centrifuge says, this has been FDA approved for preparing plasma, platelet plasma, and if you use it, Of course, it's blood. The blood's not FDA-approved. The FDA doesn't approve your hair or your urine or your saliva or your blood, but they have to approve the device that makes the plasma to go back into your body. So he says, this has been FDA-approved to prepare plasma to go back into the body, and it's been shown to cause new tissue growth, new blood flow, new volume, and there's never been a granuloma or a serious infection or serious side effect from plate-rich plasma. You should try it in the face. So I thought... Oh, this is wonderful, because if this works in the face, I mean, instantly, because I was tuned into the sexual problems, I thought if this works in the face and does all those things, then this should help the genitalia.
4: So he's like, yeah, I saw that this worked in the face, and I was like, well, if this helps people's faces, then clearly it helps their genitals, which nobody says that about anything. Like, I'm not like... Well, because uh, my straight razor helps me get a nice shave, I should clearly shave my dick with a straight razor.
1: <laughs> like, you don't. My God! Like yeah. what? What a line of thought! That makes so much sense. Just to jump from yeah. face to, to dick. Um, Contact lenses help say, my eyes; know... they must
4: help my penis.
1: But like, I I will say, um, I didn't know what he looked like before watching that, and I am like. A little bit more than needed to be upset. Like I, I'm more upset than I wanted to be that the fact that he's not unattractive. Like he's conventionally attractive, and it's proven that people trust people that are attractive. Like yep. if, if someone, if someone is absolutely is good looking, if they're tall, if they're built, if they're if they have a, a charming way of speaking, he has a deep voice. He has like a t- a, a southern what's that word like twang or whatever to his voice. Yeah. Like like he. He, yeah like a draw like like he is presenting himself as an alpha mm-hmm. and you're going to trust that if you're vulnerable like like yes. it, even if he was like that just makes me so I wish he wasn't I just uh but like it makes sense it, the, the, the fact that he's gotten away with it makes sense a little bit more yeah. than it did before now in my brain
4: you know Sh- oh, Shireen wow. what you're saying is exactly why I think we should just mandate disfiguring facial surgery for all American citizens. Um, And you know who's here to help (laughs) with mandatory disfiguring surgery is our sponsors at Raytheon and Lockheed Martin, who have developed a brand new knife missile that is just going to guarantee nobody gets trusted on the basis of their attractiveness ever again. So please support Lockheed Martin in its quest to disfigure all of us. So we're back. Again, I, I know a lot of doctors actually listen to this podcast. We have a lot of doctor fans, and I'm interested in their takes on the clip that we just played. As a layman, it seems like competent medical researchers don't say if this works on the face, it must be good for helping people fuck. But I'm not an MD, so I'll leave that to y'all.
1: My sister is a doctor, and I know she would fucking shit all over this. Like I, Yeah, she... <laughs> it's, it seems like, she like was... a reach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I want to bring this up really quick. Like, do you know, I don't know if you, the, the movie Contagion had a huge, yeah. like, upsurge recently. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want to, I guess this is like a spoiler, but it's been around long enough, then who cares? Yeah, you can't spoil uh, the, a
4: movie that old. Fuck at it. the end
1: of the movie, yeah. like, the the cure comes about because the lead researcher, like, injects herself with the medicine. Or like, yeah. or with the, the vaccine and my sister as a doctor and I'm sure many doctors that watch this movie, like it's, I know it's a movie, but it's like kind of the same idea of like what this person, uh, Dr. Reynolds was like inspired by. It's like using yourself as a martyr and using yourself yeah. as like this hero to save the day. And, and realistically that is bullshit. Like that is, it's a cool story, but it's not as medically or, or factually sound and it's really dangerous
4: Like no one, no
1: medical professional would do that, and he was like, "I don't know."
4: Okay. the The troubling part is that there have been a couple of really groundbreaking medical professionals who advanced medical science because they were willing to dangerously experiment on themselves, and it's it's kind of threading a needle that's maybe too fine for most people to want to thread to say that like, yes, people who were willing to do that have advanced the frontiers of knowledge before and also to say, but it's still a bad idea and we should have moved past that. Like right in 19-fucking-29, some doctor who can't get approval is like, well, fuck it, I'm just gonna try to stint my own fucking heart and it works and it's good that it did. Um, but also that was like a century ago and we should not have to yeah. do that anymore. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, like, no, I, I totally agree with you. I totally yeah. agree that, like, there are some cases where it's really been, like, groundbreaking yeah. and progressed medicine. But I think the fact that this doctor, like, was is caught up in that particular narrative, it's, like, kind of telling yeah. of the kind of doctor he was even trying to be. Like, yes. he's more consumed with the story. Yes, He's not yes. really consumed with the medicine.
4: You've hit on an you know? incredibly important point, that he's consumed with the story. And the story gets wilder from here on out so strap in shireen it's gonna be fun okay yeah so as that video goes on dr Reynolds uh goes on to say that he read a lot of papers uh i think he says thousands and i don't think there are thousands which showed that prp treatments were effective in reducing signs of aging on the face which again he
1: can't read yeah
4: the evidence and also the evidence is not Uh, overwhelming on that Um, and so as a result of reading a lot of papers he decided to start experimenting on himself with PRP facial treatments before he started shooting stuff into other people's genitalia now since he was legally barred from conducting clinical trials he just jumped Right into experimenting on people with his own PRP facial treatments. Uh, Dr. Runnels began marketing them under the trademark name Vampire Facelift. Um, and I, I sorry, I got it wrong early. I said he's responsible for the vampire facial. His trademark name is the Vampire Facelift. And you will see when people advertise that they do vampire facials, they're actually tech like legally ripping him off. Um mm. Because his oh, is the vampire I feel facelift. So bad for him. I yeah, I don't oh. care, but it's from a yeah. legal standpoint, it's important.
1: Sophie, Sophie, yeah. he had acne. He did oh. have acne. I
4: feel
1: so bad for him
4: now in this video he claims that coming up with he decided he had to trademark this thing before there was really any hard evidence that it worked um, because uh, this this would be important for him being able to responsibly treat people see if he just called his PRP it's
1: important for his story Yeah, it's
4: important for his fucking story and for his finances if he just called he says that if he just called this like PRP facial by the names other people were using uh, vampire therapy was a common name then any bullshit doctor could claim to be providing his therapy and what if they accidentally hurt someone so he claims that he had to trademark it mm-hmm. so that he could avoid people getting hurt um Aww. yeah That's nonsense. I think that's nonsense. Vampire Facelift is a good media-ready name, and trademarking it allowed him to license his treatment to other doctors and make passive income from thousands of practitioners that he trains, often in online courses, who basically act as franchisees. Uh, Interestingly enough, Charles denies uh, that anything he does is, that what he does is anything like franchising. So he says that, like, this is not franchising what I'm doing. And in the same breath that he claims it's not like franchising, he compares the name vampire facelift to the trademark golden arches of mcdonald's which is like amazing <laughs> what yeah he's it's pretty what? that whole video is pretty fun to to listen to so God. charles insists the whole reason that he did this was to ensure a consistent standard of care and insist that everyone abide by the same stringent practices he does and spoilers someone advertising a knockoff vampire facial like a year ago uh got two people infected with hiv um, and they weren't people Holy that Runnels had, tra- had, had trained, so he was like, well, look, this is what I'm saying. Like These people are ru- using a knockoff, and they got folks sick, but it's like, yeah, they got folks to buy their treatment by using the name that was as close as possible to the one you use. Um, well, Yeah. Anyway... So, for the next couple of years, Dr. Runnels made a name for himself and a new fortune as the inventor of the vampire facelift. His dream of injecting people's blood back into their own vaginas, though, had to lay dormant for a while as he grappled with fame and expanded his clinic. But then, as Dr. Runnels tells it, one day fate, in the form of his girlfriend, forced his hand. Oh, my God. Oh, buddy. We are heading in for one of the most irresponsible stories of a medical experimentation I I can conceive of and it is a fun one. So as Doctor Runnels tells this story, uh, yeah, there, there's a number of different versions of the story that he's he's given. I prefer the one written up by a journalist from the Guardian who interviewed Runnels, and I'm going to read that now. "Quote: Charles Runnels's lover surprised him at his office, demanding that he inject blood into her clitoris as a Valentine's Day present. She hiked up her dress, hopped onto the exam table, and motioned for Runnels to put on his headlamp. She explained that she'd been watching him inject his own penis with blood for about a year, and that while his bigger and stronger erections had been and fun, she'd grown tired of the one-sided sexual enhancement. It was her turn. So Runnels bowed between her legs, numbed her clitoris with an ice cube and shot her up. I don't know how graphic you can be with this thing, he said over the phone, pausing mid-story to ask me about the Guardian's policy on discussing orgasms. But the next afternoon, she came to see me and her orgasms came more quickly. Very strong, ejaculatory orgasms. The passion, the thunder, the sound she was making. He sighed at the memory. That's when I thought, I should try this on my patients. Oh my
3: God.
4: (laughs) And I know the fucking, the doctors listening to this have their fucking jaws on the floor right now.
1: (laughs) Oh my fucking God. Yeah. That is is (laughs) the story. That is another fucking fucking chapter in this fucking story. I hate him. Also, like if this, oh my, oh no. no, 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 no. No
4: Yeah, I just thought I should yeah, I should try this on my patients. It's amazing. So I'm not a doctor. I saw
1: you I saw you injecting your penis this whole time and I was yeah, like give me I some wa- of that no! good blood. That
4: never <laughs> happened. So um I'm not a doctor, but the American Medical Association is a doctor, and it seems to me and to Dr. Jen Gunter, from whom I found this pointed out, that this whole story is a very clear violation of the Code of Medical Ethics, uh, which states, quote, romantic or sexual interactions between physicians and patients that occur concurrently with the patient-physician relationship are unethical. Such interactions detract from the goals of the patient-physician relationship and may exploit the vulnerability of the patient, compromise the physician's ability to make objective judgments about the patient's health care, and ultimately be detrimental to the patient's well-being, which shouldn't need to be said, but is is written up there, uh, and this seems like a clear violation of that to me. Um,
1: I love that he added that she was like, "Grab your headlamp." Yeah, no one would say here. that.
4: <laughs> no, like that's
1: just like a clear like, like. He's making this up. No girlfriend is like, "Oh my god, grab your needle and your headlamp." Like no. <sighs>
4: Yeah, oh it's something else. So Dr. Runnels tells this story to reporters as if it is a charming anecdote. Um, and the reason why he thinks this is charming is very much rooted in his idolization of Dr. Forceman, the guy who did that heart surgery on yeah. himself. So yeah, Forceman experimented on himself. He was exiled from mainstream medicine uh, for his boldness, but he was eventually recognized as a medical pioneer and a genius. Um, Runnels wants so badly to identify himself with Forceman that he includes this line in the Who Is section of his website. Quote, I actually pulled up Dr. Forceman's story on Wikipedia and read it for a few minutes to get psyched out before I injected my own penis with PRP, which I did twice before I injected any other person's penis or clitoris slash vagina. Now, some people might quibble with the fact that he's equating himself in his orgasm medicine experiments with a doctor struggling to cope with a way to save heart disease patients, but I actually think that sexual health is incredibly important, so I'm not going to like, ding him on that. What I will ding him for is the fact that Dr. Runnels clearly never cared about anything but rushing to patent his treatment so he could wring the most possible money out of it. Dr. Forceman, on the other hand, spent decades as either a small-town doctor or a frontline military doctor. He turned down impressive jobs and titles when they were offered to him because they he felt they exceeded his depth of confidence. Um, he was a, a, a pretty humble guy, whatever else you want to say about him. Um, and his innovations contributed to medical science. None of those things can be said about Dr. Runnels. Uh, although I am glad he moved from on from experimenting on homeless people to experimenting on his own dick. I guess that's a step forward.
1: I mean, I, yeah, it's 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 the step I prefer. I, I would prefer yeah. him injecting himself than injecting innocent people, but, innocent homeless people. But
4: yeah.
1: his, his claim that like like, first of all two times if you're only to like be like i injected myself twice before anyone else first of all if you want to be serious twice is not enough
4: that doesn't seem like Uh, a lot no
1: (laughs) and also like this just brings me back to my point of him being so consumed with the story and the versus the medicine like he wants to be a pioneer so desperately that's all he that's all it
4: is. And he'd clearly the way he describes the story tells you that, like, he'd made his mind up about what this was, because like a real scientist doing if they did this to themselves might note like, okay well, it feels like my orgasms are better. But is it possible that I'm just into medical kink? (laughs) Like, like, maybe this is just what my kink like and it's not a groundbreaking (laughs) medical treatment. Perhaps other research should be done. Um yeah,
1: but also you should never. That's a really good point. You should never go into anything being like, "I'm going to be a pioneer because of this." Like that's the whole point of yeah. research and testing. Like, yeah, but he, obviously he psyched. He read. He read his Wikipedia page to psych himself up. Are you shitting yeah. me? Like,
4: yeah, you're... it's all of this is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Now, Doctor Charles, but he
1: puts it out himself.
4: Yeah, he does because he does. He thinks this is fine, and he's never really faced consequences for it. So clearly, it he's is delusional
1: fine. because he's attracted. Yeah. God damn
4: it. So Dr. Charles Runnels uh, names another hero on his website, uh, Barry Marshall, Dr. Barry Marshall. And Marshall is another doctor with a very cool story. In the early 1980s, Barry Marshall became convinced that peptic ulcers and gastric cancer were both caused by a specific sort of bacterium. Conventional medical wisdom at the time was that ulcers were caused by stress or certain foods. Marshall was ridiculed at first for his hypothesis uh, and has been quoted as saying, everyone was against me, but I knew I was right. and. Dr. Marshall eventually proved his hypothesis by drinking a culture filled with ulcer-causing bacteria and giving himself an ulcer. Uh, His work revolutionized the treatment of ulcers and the prevention of gastric cancer. He was awarded a Nobel Prize for his enormous achievement. Um, And you can see why Dr. Runnels likes this guy. Runnels writes about Dr. Marshall, quote, He gave up gaining acceptance in Australia and then came to the U.S. And only after the popular press started talking about it did physicians start reading his research. He gave himself an ulcer by drinking the bacteria. Dr. Marshall, in his acceptance of the prize, quoted Daniel Borstein, the greatest obstacle to knowledge is not ignorance, it is the illusion of knowledge. Now... Some of what Runnels says here is true. Dr. Marshall did, in fact, give himself an ulcer. But there's actually a lot of debate about whether or not the medical community was wrong to be as skeptical about his ideas as they were. Dr. Runnels claims that the skepticism was only because cutting out ulcers was big business and other doctors had no financial interest in alternative treatments. And this claim is undercut by the fact that Barry Marshall received funding from a major medical institution to spend a whole year conducting his research. He did test it on himself eventually, but he was given funding to do the the studies that he was doing so the idea that like he did face resistance people who didn't think that what he was suggesting was reasonable but also there was an institution willing to let him conduct these studies in a controlled and and scientific way um so it's not like he was completely alone like an institution was like yeah there's enough merit to your case that like here's some funding figure it out um you can argue that doctors were more skeptical than they should have been, but Dr. Marshall didn't just give himself an ulcer and say, see, I've solved the problem. He had a research partner. He yeah. had lab assistants. He worked at an institution. When he proved his hypothesis, more t- tests were conducted and more research was done until an effective treatment was devised. This is how medical science is supposed to work. By contrast, Dr. Runnels did not do go from shooting his own dick or his girlfriend's labia full of blood to conducting double-blind clinical trials. Um, this would be difficult because he's been banned from doing that sort of work due to to his shameful criminal conduct, borderline criminal conduct. Instead, he left right to not just, he he left right to selling the O-Shot. So, like, they they, they didn't do, he didn't do what Marshall did. He just starts marketing this thing after he decides it's effective.
1: That should be a fucking crime. That should be a fucking crime.
4: Seems like it oughta, but it's not. And he started selling and conducting training sessions so other doctors could could sell the O-Shot too. As of this moment, he's trained at least 500 medical practitioners and more than 20,000 women have had the the O-Shot Uh, uh, done on them. Uh, Runnels estimates that it has an 85% success rate, based mainly off of how he feels, because again, no conclusive clinical trials have been done on this treatment. Uh, He does have like one or two small batch studies about its efficacy at treating other things that he cites as evidence that the O-shot works. However, as Dr. Jen Gunter notes about one of the studies, the only study of vaginal injections listed on Dr. Runnels' website is is the Journal of Women's Healthcare, an open-access journal from Omics published group which has been listed as a potentially predatory journal now there's no universally agreed upon definition of a predatory journal but most of them are basically self-publishing platforms for scientists they allow you to publish a study for a fee and they provide no editing or peer review process because a lot of them don't actually care about putting out good information some of these just like
1: shit posting yourself yourself it's It's like medium for
4: scientists
1: yeah exactly i was just thinking that
4: Uh, Gunter continues, quote, regardless of the journal, it is a stretch to call this paper a study. It's a case series of 11 women with a variety of sexual complaints ranging from dyspareunia uh, to orgasmic disorder. Uh, The sexual dysfunction experienced by a woman with dyspareunia, never mind that there are a multitude of very different conditions that can cause dyspareunia, so it really shouldn't be a single diagnosis in a study, cannot be compared with the sexual dysfunction of a woman with an arousal disorder. The results of the 11 women, 64% reported some kind of improvement. But honestly, the statistics are of no value. Value given the small sample size and the fact that there are four very different diagnoses lumped together. I also can't tell if it was retrospective or prospective. The two women who had minimal pro uh, pro procedure dysfunction reported extreme arousal for one to two weeks afterwards. This is the only bad effect uh, noted in the 12 to 16 week follow up. The paper has a very short follow up, but Dr. Reynolds's website claims the O shot lasts at least 18 months, but up to three years for some women. So there's just nothing really to back him up. Um, he has paid to have enough of a something that looks enough like a study performed that he can claim that he's got medical backing and no more because a real study might reveal that this doesn't work very well. So that's good.
1: That just makes me so mad. And I'm realizing now I'm realizing now that I didn't really have to divulge yeah. or like or, or like a broadcast that I'm like, your soul? I struggle yeah. with this thing because I I don't know why I just felt the need to just, like, uh, be so candid. I just I have no, absolutely no filter. But, I will say, talking about this stuff is so important, because if someone had talked about it the way I'm talking about it, when I was younger, I wouldn't have felt like such a fucking freak. <laughs> and I wouldn't have felt like such a, like a, just, unable like like, I wouldn't have not felt human in my inability to feel this very human thing. And so, I like, was thinking that maybe, like, I shouldn't have said it, but now I'm, like, doubling down, and I'm just... The, the, the reality that I'm even having that thought, like, if women are continually afraid to even breach the subject, or, or, or broach the subject, rather, it encourages people, like, this fucking just disgusting human being taking advantage of women that are so desperate to feel something and just, like, understand what receiving pleasure is like, and... Like <laughs> I, I can do all my homework, I can like like, pra- like 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 practice all these things, I can buy toys or whatever, but I'm going to be I, I'm going to know my body better than any fucking hack ever will. And like women should be encouraged to, to really do that more so than I don't know. I'm just I'm just getting heated. I'm getting a little bit heated. This is a frustrating and, uh, story.
4: Yeah, it's a very frustrating yeah. story. Um because like, yeah, like all grifters, he's preying on a, a real vulnerability. Like this is a thing the people like 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 women who, you know, are, are, are struggling with the thing that you've been very open about struggling with. That's a painful vulnerability. And he knows that it means he can fleece them for a shitload of money. Um, yeah. And it's that sucks. And he obviously
1: has. And he's he's and he he's become a and very wealthy, wealthy man from it. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's 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 in, that's just infuriating. Um, yep.
4: Yeah, it gets infuriating her. Dr. Gunter has done a lot of like looking into this guy's like like digital presence. Uh, she notes that in the paper that he had published that's purporting to be a real study about this stuff, he listed his address as Medical School, comma, Birmingham, comma, Alabama, comma, USA. This is not a medical what? school. Yeah, he just stuck medical school on his address because he knows that no one looking to get this treatment will check any further. Um Yeah, it's awesome. Now, yeah, yeah. In in Dr. Gunter's opinion, the most unsettling thing about kind of the lack of information about the efficacy of the O-shot is that there are no animal studies to show how the uh, vaginal epithelium might respond to PRP. Uh, quote: The bulk of the published studies involve wounds and tendons muscles, not healthy vaginal tissue. This is a very important point because it is possible that PRP could increase the growth of blood vessels into vaginal tissues, and we don't know if that is good or bad. If a woman has human papilloma virus in her vagina and gets a PRP injection. That could cause the HPV to spread or make it more likely to develop into cancer. Could it cause scarring? Could it lead to unregulated growth of nerve endings and cause pain? Could it trigger cr- trigger autoimmune conditions of the vi- vagina or vulva? She's pointing out we just don't know and this is why you don't start injecting, performing a treatment on tens of thousands of women when we don't know any of this stuff. Like you research it for, yeah. like it, there's a case. You never jump to human trials. Yeah. You never do that. There, there is a case for hastening human trials in the event of, say, a horrific plague spreading over the land, and you really need to get a, a vaccine out fastest, there's a cost benefit analysis that can be done and things can be accelerated. But this is not an immediate life or death issue. Like, orgasms are important, but we can take the time to make sure this isn't going to cause horrible damage yeah. to the people getting the shot. Like, right? It, it, we're, this isn't wow. like a vaccine for a death plague, you know? we have some space here I would rather have here. the
1: time and energy <laughs> yeah. being given to it to make it t- so we can do it right like yeah. this is a serious issue but it's not it's yeah. just from, from a medical standpoint you never like it's, it's, just, it's just
4: it's very frustrating
1: it's very frustrating
4: so after all this we've established, you know, how reckless this guy is and how unproven his treatment is. And the question that follows naturally is why do keep people keep buying it? And the answer for that is is really fucking sad. And it ties into the stuff we were talking about at the top of this episode. A lot of women a lot of people with vaginas can't organize or orgasm reliably. And the best treatment for this seems to be a combination of therapy and having a committed partner who cares about your understanding or who cares about understanding your body. Um, you can't prescribe that, right? Like to a certain extent, you can't, you can't like no doctor can like write that on a sheet and hand it out to you. Um, falling in love or at least falling in like enough to have regular sex is not easy. Um, and so, Dr. Runnels offers an easy answer, an injectable answer, to what is really a very complicated question. And this helps explain the demand for Dr. Orgasm services, but it doesn't explain why so many women do swear by his work. And for that explanation, we're going to have to turn back to that article in The Guardian by Kathleen Hale. The opening paragraphs of this article about Runnels are filled with more red flags than a Communist Party rally. And I'm going to quote here. Runnels' office isn't like any isn't anything like the sterile exam rooms most women associate with gynecological exams it's intimate personal and cozy because in addition to treating thousands of patients there over the years he also lives there there's a small entryway the small entryway opens up to a living room dominated by gym equipment in the bathroom I found a functioning shower and shelves filled with employees toiletries the only examination table was separated from the kitchen by a curtain Pamela Julie and Vivienne the three women on Runnels' four-person staff greeted me with open arms in order to better understand what they promote Pamela and Vivian told me they'd both had O-Shots administered by Runnels. Mark, the sole male employee, opted for the male version, a P-Shot if you're like me that stuff gives you some flashbacks to, John, uh, to Dr. John Brown like you know the guy we talked about who did horrific surgeries from his own home on, on trans people um, it's generally not considered ideal for a doctor to perform operations in his own home but it's also not impossible for such a situation to be sterile and I have not heard any allegations that Dr. Runnels' setup violates any health codes um, the part where all of his employees use the medicine that he makes is real culty and a bit of a flag though um, and the cult Vibes don't decline as the article goes on. Quote, As we awaited for the arrival of my first interview subject, Lacey, Runnell suggested that I might want to try the O-Shot for myself. You'll love it, Vivian said. She told me that doctors regularly flew in from all over the world uh, to be trained in the procedure, and that initially they reacted to offers of free O-Shots just as I had, with a mix of embarrassment and surprise. But by the end, she said, everyone wanted one.
1: I mean, it's kind of... I can kind of understand, like, if you go to... Uh, a dentist or an orthodontist, you want everyone there to have straight teeth, right? Like you want everyone yep. there to have had braces or whatever. But this is completely different. Like it's not the same thing. And I do think, I think the fact that it's in a house and not in a more sterile place, I think that lends to getting these women to trust him. Like it's more intimate yeah. and it's more. It is. You're you're it, like yeah. You're you're preying on them in in very emotional, mental ways that they don't even realize it's you're 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 making them feel like they're
4: yeah that that they're safe but they're not and it feels like the kind of classes he does with the doctors the in-person ones at least are kind of like that too um there's a line in here where runnels laughs uh quote recalling how the last class had run until three in the morning just to accommodate demand and he says it's like a baptist revival except you're injecting each other's genitals <laughs> I know that's fucking wild. That's like, yeah. Now, uh, Hale. The, this uh, Guardian article by Kathleen Hale also notes that the location for Reynolds' office, uh, which is Fairhope, Alabama, um, is in the middle of the Bible Belt, and it's a place where vibrators are illegal due to the state's anti-obscenity laws. Um, where I grew up in Texas was like that too. They had to market them as cake toppers, like as like decorations for like cakes for bachelorette parties and stuff. Even though, wait, people, really? Yeah, yeah. Because it's illegal to sell a vibrator. Because Texas hates Whoa. hates women. Um, yeah,
1: that's crazy. I had no idea.
4: Yeah, and and the data here is imperfect, um, but there is a decent amount of data that suggests that highly religious women, and particularly like religiously orthodox type women, are more likely to suffer from orgasmic disorders than secular women. Um, and the women Hail I mean, interviews. Yeah, I can I yeah. can tell
1: you why. I could obviously like you're grown, you you grow up with shame around your body, and that shame has this, you, you have this inability to really let go and experience pleasure. Like, obviously, that makes sense, but yeah. he's like, pretty much taking advantage of that like he's he's yeah. capitalizing on this group of women having the issue that he is yes pretending to know how to solve
4: yes and it makes sense that this guy who otherwise you would expect a doctor like this to be like in los angeles i think he picked his location i think he decided to stay in alabama for a reason and it's that he's very good at manipulating this particular kind of, of person very like religious conservative ladies who have orgasmic disorders and he's good at making them trust him um yeah. Yeah. Hale's article. Yeah. So it's, um, the women that Hale interviews for that article describe themselves overwhelmingly as, um, very empathetic Bible believing Christians, like the women who have gotten this shot and an outsized number of them are unfortunately victims of rape or sexual assault. Um, Quote, Lacey, an athletic 40-year-old businesswoman, told no one when she was raped for the first time at age 13, but soon her father noticed something different about her and started calling her a whore and a lesbian. Physical abuse followed when Lacey's next rapist, her husband, found himself unable to climax unless Lacey was in excruciating pain. He raped her throughout their 10-year relationship. Um... So yeah, and the 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 damage from this left her at 29 years old with um, incontinence uh, and scarring. Um, she wet the bed, uh, and she was just kind of unable to orgasm. Um, doctors responded to her condition concerns by suggesting she use lube with her partners and undergo psychotherapy. Um, and by age 30, Lacey never ex- expected to experience sexual. Th- pleasure again. Um, she tried using a back massager to stimulate herself, but it left a callus on her clitoris. Um, so she just didn't know how to, yeah, she's just a, a, a victim of, 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 unbelievable abuse um, who did not know how to like f- like 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 who was maybe getting some psych- psychological counseling but because of where she lived and sort of like the the co- the culture she was in was not able to really talk about sex with anyone and never had that conversation never had a conversation about how to masturbate and then she meets Dr. Runnels um and they meet at a bank and she learns what he does and she confides in him that she can't orgasm and he tells her that he knows something that might help and i get the feeling she says that he gave her the O shot and she immediately felt alive down there. You get the feeling though that also they're having just conversations about sex and maybe she's never gotten to have that.
1: He's giving her an intimacy she's never known.
4: Exactly.
1: And I don't wanna I don't wanna discredit any of what these women have felt or are feeling. No, no, no. But there is a level of placebo that goes into this. Like huge amounts. Just, leading, amount. up, just <laughs> leading up to it. Just like the connection yeah. he makes with her with the with the women, the the, this promise of, of like, just like yeah. everyone telling them it's going to work, the staff and everything. Yeah. Like there's going to be a certain amount of placebo that just by default yes. is there because it's so hype. Yes
4: and and the the data we have makes it very clear that having healthy conversations about your 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 genitalia and about sex with people who care about you or at least seem to care about you really helps with an orgasmic disorder that's a super important part of treating it and there's again this is part of why like why you need an actual study on something like this because there's no yeah. separation for like the conversations they're having and like the intimacy of the encounter and the shot like none of that's being separated there's no way to know what the shot is doing if actually anything because the whole lot is wrapped up in all of these women's stories with Dr. Runnels and that's it but that just po- helps him yeah it does help him it but it does not necessarily help these women it doesn't help us to know if this thing actually works um Yeah, which is why skeptics like Dr. Jen Gunter will point out um, that anecdotal data is not the same as scientific data. And she points that out, pointed that out to Kathleen Hale in the Guardian article, because Hale talked to Dr. Gunter Um, and Hale Uh, understood that but also had a lot of trouble writing off these women's experiences Um, she was clearly convinced to a degree by their embrace of the O-shot and it's very convincing when you have a lot of people say this thing helped me Um, she did ask Runnels though why he tended to gravitate towards trauma victims uh, and his answer was interesting he responded quote I don't really know why I'm surrounded by people who have pain I do absolutely make a conscious effort to find them I think my real usefulness evolves out of it's not even compassion it's more like obsession which is, Whoa. yeah, more that's of like an honest thing answer. Thing yeah, it should be, right? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, now, that's... And that is... That's... wow. There is a reason why cult leaders gravitate towards abuse victims, as do grifters. Um, because in general, our society does not a shit job of taking care of these people. Um, and it's a natural human need to respond to people who reach out and show compassion for you in times of lonely darkness. And I think this explains part of Dr. Reynolds's success. Um, and another part of it is explained by what's called placebo theater, which is the very well-documented fact that receiving any kind of treatment in a clinical medical setting, especially if it's expensive, will increase a patient's belief that the treatment will work and actually increase the efficacy of the treatment. This is a placebo effect thing. And it doesn't help a lot when you're treating medical metastatic cancer, but a lot of orgasm, orgasm is mental, right? Like that's where the block comes up for a lot of people. And it's not unheard of for placebos to be effective in up to 60% of cases for these sorts of situations. Because again, you don't actually have to physically affect, you just have to make them believe like, and if they believe it'll work, this is primarily a mental block
1: that's all it is i mean not all it is there's more yeah, to yeah but it's a,
4: that's a lot of it yeah
1: a big part of the research that i've been doing yeah. personally like it is it's a they, they talk a lot about letting go and ways to make your mind yeah uh, like let go essentially of everything that's like because this there's this pressure around even achieving the word achieving an orgasm is like so i think counterintuitive because it makes it seem like you're reaching for something constantly. And if you're having sex with, with a partner, at least in my experience, I always felt like I'm never going to give them what they want because I can't do this thing that I'm supposed to be doing. And so then I then I get really into like giving rather than receiving and I get a lot of pleasure out of that. But then it kind of like when you're really grappling with this idea of, um, yeah, the, 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 the fact that it's all mental, it's all mental because if you're too consumed with I'm I can't do this thing or I, or if you're even thinking like I have to let go I have to let go that's not letting go and so I can only imagine like all these elements that allow women to to for their mind to, like he's making them comfortable enough to believe that this is going to help them and yeah. that, that in and of itself makes them feel better.
4: And, and if that's all he was doing, I wouldn't have any problem with this guy. I mean, I would because of the homeless people study, but like I wouldn't have a problem with his current business. Like if this guy was just like, hey, I'm a doctor in the Bible belt and I help women who have problems orgasming um, and a lot of women said he helped them, I'd be like, yeah, fine, great. But he's also injecting them with he's also performing a medical yeah. operation that we have no data on what kind of long term harm it might do to them. Like that's that's where the issue yep. is, right? Um,
1: that's the huge issue. Yeah. yeah. And the-
4: it's not just therapy. It's not just
1: talking. You're physically doing something to a body that is not medically sound.
4: And another impact comes from the fact that the O-Shot costs about $1,200 to $1,500, and controlled studies have shown that spending more money on a medical treatment can increase the placebo effect as well. And even Parkinson's patients have shown physical improvement in situations like this. So again, like... A lot of this has nothing to fucking do with whatever he's injecting them with and everything to do with the psychological atmosphere that this person sets up and his, 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 his operation. Now, the experts Kathleen Hale talked to mentioned all of this, but, quote, as she, but as she writes, quote, As a layperson, I couldn't help but respect their authority. But as a human being, it was hard for me to discredit so many women's stories. When they said the O-shot worked, I believed them. So she got the the shot herself, and it did, it didn't do anything. And I think it's just because she didn't. She's never had. She d- didn't have an issue, right? Like she was had mm-hmm. no problem having orgasms. She had the shot, and she didn't notice anything. And that is what you would. She, she, expect. she
1: didn't go into it with trauma. She didn't go into it yeah. with a like uh, something to be fixed. Yeah. You know? Like, she wasn't searching for a place Like, you know what? I don't know. Yeah. Ma- that makes sense
4: to me. And it's it's one of those things where, like, at the end of the day, I have to admit that compared to our usual bastards, the harm this guy is currently perpetrating is minimal. Like, these women are out money, but there's not... While there's not evidence he's helping them, there isn't evidence he's hurting them. Although it is possible that he's doing a lot of damage to them, we just don't know for a while. Because, again, nobody's fucking looked into this. Um, it's, uh... I don't know, like, I hate this guy because I think he's a bad person and he's taking advantage of people. Um, But I also, I think the thing that I hate more than this guy is the fact that we have such a shitty system set up in our country for any kind of sexual health care, for informing people about their bodies, for giving women who are having this problem a place where they even know they can go to for help. Um, Like, that's...
1: That system leads him for his success. Like, that system made him successful. And... I I agree with you that like in the grand scheme of things, he's not like a murderer. Like he's not like, he's not, you've talked about shittier people on your show for sure. But the institution at large, you're right, is what is contributing to his success. And that institution is so flawed and so broken. And it makes women believe that that, that they need to be fixed. Yeah. And he's capitalizing on that in a huge way and he's getting away with it. And he should yeah. have been banned from everything medical a long ass time ago, but he's still yep. operating on yep. a level that should be criminal.
4: Yep. Yep. And he's he's trying to get in a coronavirus grift. It's a pretty minor one. He wants to like create a nationwide uh blood bank, basically, to to take plasma rich blood from people that have had it that might have antibodies and give it to other people. And like folks who aren't grifters are already doing Basically, this—he's just yeah. trying to create his own thing, and it doesn't look like it's working. I haven't seen it pick up a lot of steam.
1: Well, like, because he's the blood guy. Yeah, he's the
4: blood guy. So I—I I don't know. I like as far as all of the grifters that I worry about, he's not super high on my list. Keep an eye on him because he might wind up with a grift that actually does harm a whole lot of people, or he might find out yeah. that his current grift is more harmful than we know. I just am so frustrated by the story. At the same time, like. As with most of the grifters who are currently eating the decent and often kind of dumb people of this country alive, um the reason why they're able to do what they do is because our we don't take care of our people. There's no systems that that provide people with any option that they have a chance that they have that there is actually a reasonable non-exploitative way to deal with a problem like a sexual problem that they have. And so the first handsome well-spoken person who has what look like convincing credentials and says he can cure you. You'll, you'll just trust him if he has, if he has a nice face and there are so many ways we should have set up our society to, to reduce the ability these people would have to um, grift the vulnerable, but we have done none of that. And I guess that makes sense because this is America.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And it's really terrible because it's so true. Yeah. And I I, mean, I under I I realize that most of your listeners actually no I don't realize I'm assuming that a lot of your listeners are men. But for the women out there that are listening to this, I if you if you relate to anything I said, like you're not alone. And I know this is like not supposed to be about my own shit, but I just I'm so angry that someone like this is getting away with something that I've struggled with like my whole life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and like i'm a, I'm a sexual person like I, I and the fact that I have this one thing that's like been bugging me my whole life that it, especially in like today's world where everyone's really empowered and sexually uh just outspoken and everything as someone who's also progressive it makes me feel like I can't keep up like it makes me feel like I'm not I can't really understand where everyone's coming from and maybe it'll happen one day maybe it won't but just accepting that where you are right now is where you are is so much better than being, I don't know, berating yourself for something that is not in your control. Like you just, yeah I don't know. I just wanted to end this in like a poetic way and it's not coming out the way I'm, I want it to. There's there's <laughs> no poetry I just want people to not in America. Feel, I just don't want people to feel like yeah. this is a subject that we shouldn't talk about because I had hesitation admitting that I've never like, that I have... I don't know this, this experience, and i like i have my my sexual history is like a little bit confusing just because i i don't know yeah. I am the way i am but um but i think the the fact that me even coming from someone who just shot all over the sky and would never do this thing, I can't deny that there was a little per, a little voice in my head I was like, well, what if it does work like what if this like <laughs> Like when we first started talking about it, I was like, well, maybe this is the answer to all my problems. And this is coming from someone, I think I'm not, I think I'm like reasonably intelligent. So I don't know. I, I just think the the depth of uh, shame and trauma that we hold within ourselves is just not okay. And we just have to come at this whole thing with like love. And I haven't talked to a human all day today, so I forget how conversations work. So please cut me off at any time.
4: No. Um you're great.
1: I'm sweaty. I'm so sweaty talking about this. Yeah. I'm so, uh, I don't know. I just, thank, thank you for having me on to talk about this. I just like, yeah, I hope well, thank I, like, I said everything I supposed to say.
4: No, I mean, what you're supposed I'm to say was how you felt. Sweating. Yeah, that's fine. Like, it's, oh it's important to talk about this. I guarantee there are people who will listen to this and have a version of the same experience you're having. And it will probably make them feel better to know that they're not alone in that. And that's a good thing. And if we're talking about things that reduce the ability of guys like this to grift people, it is being able to talk about this shit. So I'm glad that you felt comfortable talking about it to an intimate uh, audience of me and Sophie and several hundred thousand strangers.
1: Cool. Thanks, Robert. I am going to
4: I will say right now, if any of the fucking dudes listening do creepy shit on Twitter to you after this, I will fucking to tear your ass a new one. Digitally. Don't be a fucking gross about this. <laughs> Don't be okay. Be Don't nobody. Disgusting. Nobody be assholes about you. this. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Robert. Um, I appreciate yeah. that. I, I mean, like, I just I go back to this idea that if someone was as open if someone if if, if it was the norm to be open about this. I wouldn't feel yeah. so weird as a kid or as a, as a teen or whatever growing up kind of feeling like there was something wrong with me. And so I think we just have to keep encouraging these conversations. And it's the same institution that put this guy to be successful. That same institution, that same societal fucking game is the same one that makes women like me feel like they need to be fixed. So, yep. um, so yeah, I mean like... I, I know, like, putting myself out there is, like, just, like, by default, I'll get, like, weird re- replies to it or whatever, or just, like, responses It's going to be an that. interesting
4: week on Twitter for you, yeah.
1: Also, I'm, like, a little bit low-key afraid. I'm, like, because, like, I was, like, my I was raised Muslim. My entire family's Muslim. We don't really mm-hmm. talk about, like, you're not really raised to, like, talk about sex or, uh there's just a lot to unpack as far as like me talking about this goes. Like, it's not just me as a woman in the society. It's like also me and like my culture and like my family in particular. Like I just, there's a lot to unpack for me here. And I, it's, this is not like, I'm using this as therapy, which I shouldn't do. Um, But I, I think even coming from like, as an Arab woman, as a Syrian woman, that's even another group of people that I would like to encourage this conversation with, like with it you know because like if you're children a child of immigrants if you're you're not taught about these things as as, when you're growing up it's just going to lead to more confusion and to lead to more questions and not that's not like a blanket statement like there are plenty of people who are fine and and thriving the way they are but this is just from my own personal experience that um i i think that's why i'm so unfiltered and so candid is because i just needed someone to be this way when i was a kid (laughs) And I need yeah. to say everything that was on their mind because that's that would that would have made me feel less like an alien trying to study humanity watching porn. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. I, I don't know.
4: I mean, I think the thing you're landing on is that when you realize you are kind of done dirty by your society and the adults around you when you were a kid, because of like a failure that they that they had, you know, regardless of whether or not we consider them good people, like there was a there was a shortcoming in what we had available to us as a kid. When you realize that, the best thing you can do is try to be that adult, um, maybe to someone else, so that they don't wind up with the same hole in their um, experience, their education, yeah. whatever, as a as as they grow up. And that starts with like talking Absolutely. about the shit that you realize, like, oh, I wish people had talked about this when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm constantly trying to be the person that I needed when I was a child. And yeah. when you're growing up, you don't see it as a societal failure. You see it as your own failure. And I think that's what's dangerous, especially when it comes to like woman's pleasure, is that you don't see it as a system failing you. You see it as you failing yourself. And you fail, like you're failing your own body. And you start to resent your body. And you're like, why can't I do this? And then hopefully, as we get older and become more aware of the society at large that makes us feel this way then we can like combat those things and just become the people we were always meant to be which is just ourselves and that's my spiel thank you for coming to my ted talk Mm -hmm. uh this is the only podcast on earth thank you for thank you for having me on the only podcast to to make it in this pandemic what an honor i know the wait list is so long
4: it Um, is it is years yeah yeah
1: i
2: just say if you're looking for something to do during this time I might recommend a book of poetry written by Shireen that is on Amazon called Dime Peace.
1: It is lovely. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you. I'm currently working on my next one. So that is nice for you to plug. Thank you. Best Best news ever. Also, since we're just another thing to do is just try masturbating. That's, (laughs) you know what? (laughs) I love you so much. Now's the time. Now's the time to really just like try to figure it out. When like you have so many hours in the day, you actually no, yeah, you have exactly twenty four. That's the, that's a, that's a fact. But you have time to explore yourself if that's what you want to do. And I'm sure many of you are already doing that. But this has been quite the journey for me. And doing your homework is a it means a lot of things, you know. So just do your homework on your body, on yourself, on your mind. You know what? That's I've said my piece.
4: Cool. righty. Um. Well, I don't really know how else to end the episode other than um, think a lot about all this and uh, uh, go unfuck masturbate. the world yeah and masturbate F- fuck yourself to unfuck the world. That's the only message I have
1: i I co-host a podcast on uh, thy heart media network iHeartRadio network Uh, it's ethnically ambiguous we talk to people that are um, uh, marginalized about their struggles in the world and we also just talk about ourselves being children of immigrants i am shireen you can follow me at uh, shirohero s-h-e-e-r-o-h-e-r-o on instagram and on twitter it's shirohero666 thank you sophie for plugging my book I'm a filmmaker, I have some short films on my website, you can just, it's my everything is like in my Twitter bio or some shit I don't know, whatever, figure it out, just google me um, but yeah, that's about it
4: I have another podcast called The Women's War
1: yes you do check it
4: out, it's upbeat uh, I also have nothing else, that is my whole life is these two podcasts, and I return to a void in between space and time, uh, when you are not listening to me, so, please listen again regularly
1: and thanks for letting me ramble a little bit on this mm-hmm. yeah thanks Thanks for letting me just ramble and go I know this is like a longer episode but I just uh, I got I got worked up <laughs> yeah. it's, I,
4: I think it's good that you did and that you said the things you said so thank you for coming on and speaking candidly and uh, thank you Again, don't be weird about this, people.
1: Don't be fucking creepy, okay? We'll fucking handle you. It's fine, you. whatever. <laughs> I, it's, I'll, just mute. I'll, I'll just mute you. It's
4: fine. That is the episode.
1: Bye. Bye.
2: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health.